Lord be with you. Glad to have you here. Welcome to Parkview. Um, if you're watching this at uh, 545, it's because I'm flying to Rwanda. So sorry I couldn't be there with you in person, but I hope you'll pray for our trip. We start a new series next week called Pursued. I really want to encourage you to be here for this. This is about God pursuing us and about the love that he has for us. And it's based on the Old Testament uh, scripture of Hosea and Gomer, if, you're, if you know Old Testament at all. Uh, the prophet who was told to marry a prostitute who kept going away from him and coming back is an illustration of what we do to God. And it's going to be a great story. Four weeks we're going to do. Great time to invite somebody to come and hang out, maybe that doesn't know Christ. Uh, it's going to be a really important series for us. Uh, uh, five services after next weekend. Next weekend's Labor Day. Still have four. And then the weekend after, we go back to two on Saturday night. I would encourage you 11 o'clock people to think about coming on Sunday night or think about coming on Saturday night so you can help us out with the crowds. Um, we'd really love for you to do that. And you know what? We did this last week and we got a good response, but I'd love for you to think one more time about just try it. We're looking for people uh, you know, that, that are going to give with their whole heart. And that means jumping in and trying it because we've got a lot of things that need to get done around here. And there's some simple little things that you can do to be involved in, in student ministries and kids ministries and guest services, whatever. There's some very simple things you could do. So take a minute and look at this card and think about maybe what you could do to help us out because we'd love to get you, get you signed up. Some great lost stories. This is my last week doing Lost. Uh, you, you know, you tweeted them. You did all those things along the way. Got a story, uh, uh, you know, from people lost doing marathons, which I could understand that. You know, like in other countries would be scary. Got a funny story from a lady who, uh, and I, I won't tell you the whole story, but she was a police officer. It was her very first call, and she got lost on her very first call as a cop. No, you know, that's not good. And thankfully, there were no guns involved, so it was all good. But my favorite story was this guy... Um, Pete, my friend Pete, sent me this story of being lost in Louisville. He was in Louisville, and he, um, he, he was driving along, and he went along, and, and, uh, and it was with a camper. He's pulling a camper, and he gets downtown to the downtown area following this GPS because this GPS is telling him, you know, that he's supposed to go to this downtown area. And he's like, I'm confused, but he follows GPS, you know, like the lady on the way to Croatia. You know, he just followed it because you think she's right. Well, it turns out where he was was the 10-year-old headquarters of the campground like the koa headquarters was downtown and that's where he'd been going when we got there it was this old abandoned building and nobody was there and it was not very cool you know not a good place and it was getting dark and he was a little nervous so he turned down this one street you know he's got a truck and he's pulling a camper so it's not easy and he's like trying to figure out where to go and he sees what he thinks are these elderly people with canes and, um, and, and, and so he thinks, well, you know, this ought to be safe. I'll pull over and ask him. So he pulls over, rolls down his window, and, and, and he starts talking to this lady. He goes, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just lost. I'm trying to get back to the highway. Can you help me out? And then he said, I looked at her, and she wasn't old. She was young. And she started laughing at me and shrugging her shoulders and said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't help you. I'm blind. This is a school for the blind. Everybody on this block is blind. Nobody's going to be able to help you. It was the original blind leading the blind, right? Is that great? Oh, there he is. I'm, I'm got so good, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, hide your face, Pete. Uh, they had canes because they were blind, okay? Uh, we're, 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 we're trying to figure out how to not be lost, okay? And, and, and I've been thinking about it. We've been doing this financial thing. We've been talking about Jesus. And I've been trying to, to give you what I think is so important because I believe this is one of the most important things to our Christian life. And I was thinking about it. You know, I mean, think about this. I'm on a plane this afternoon to Rwanda. I'm going to Africa. I might die. 
Okay, I'm just saying. I might die. Did you see the movie? I mean, you know, I'm going to Africa, all right? I'm going to be riding around in the president's helicopter. Do you think there are people in Rwanda that don't like their president? I mean, come on, think about this. And plus, it's Africa. There might be those crazy lions that eat people, like in that old movie. They might be there. Or I might eat something that might kill me, right? Or I might die of Hawaiian shirt syndrome because I'm going with Rick Warren. I don't know what might happen. So I thought, if this is my last, you know, I think about this. Well, what's going to be my last message someday? Someday I'm going to preach my last message. I, I would hope it'd be, you know, after Christmas or, or Easter or, you know, a big baptism service or something. I'm afraid if I die after Father's Day, I won't go to heaven, so I'm hoping it's not like that. But honestly, if, if, it's, if, if it's like my time, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to lay my life down in Africa. If it's my time, this, this message that I'm giving you, it works. Because evidently it's one of the most important principles in the Bible because it's what Jesus talked about more than anything except the kingdom of heaven. And let me remind you that when Jesus taught us things, it was for our good. He said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That, that's really important. He said, enter through the narrow gate because the wide gate and the broad road leads to destruction. And many are on that. 50% of America is lost in their finances. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few people find it. Please get that. Jesus did not come to make you miserable. He did not come to condemn you. He did not even just come to save you. He came to give you life and life to the full. So you need to hear this. My wife drives a Toyota minivan, 130,000 miles on it, man. It's been a good van. We just replaced the timing chain so we could drive it another 130,000 miles because it's been a phenomenal vehicle for us. But it has a lot of warning lights. You know that? I mean, those of you that have been driving a long time like me, I mean, it seems like they just come up with warning lights for newer and dumber stuff along the way, right? And, and recently, because of something that happened, the tire pressure warning light started, you know, appearing on the dash. And it just, it just popped up, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, maybe I have a problem. And so I went and looked, and on tire pressure looked okay to me, you know. I mean, I'm not an expert, but that's something I can pretty well figure out, right? And, and, and so I hit the reset button, and, and it came back on again. And, and I, I took it into somebody, and they said, you know what? Your sensor's probably broken. You're going to have to take it in and spend money on this, you know, 130,000-mile van to fix the tire pressure warning light, or it's just going to keep going off. You know what I did? Well, I made a YouTube video. Just in case this ever happens to you, you can just watch. Hi, everybody in YouTube land. I'm here to t show you how to fix the warning sensor on a 2006 Toyota Sienna. Uh, you can see right here um, the warning sensor in question is the uh, tire pressure gauge uh, right there. It's a tire pressure warning light. It's really bright and orange and obnoxious and um, I've tried to fix it. You can reset it actually with this little button down here but uh, it must be broken because it just keeps coming back on again and, uh, and the reason I feel this way is because these are you know brand new tires and obviously the pressure's not got any problem. Um, you know, there, there's no there's no problem with it. They're brand new, so obviously there's a problem with the sensor. So I'm going to demonstrate uh, how to fix that sensor. And uh, I've already kind of pre-done some of my equipment here. What you need is uh, some black electrician's tape and uh, and a, just a regular pair of scissors. It's really very simple. All you need to do is uh, kind of figure out where you're going to be seated, so you can kind of tell where the warning light comes in, you know, to view with your vision and just uh, place that piece of black tape over it right there and, uh, and then you'll never see it again. Just in case you need to know for later, that's how you do it, all right? Um, 
I mean, I don't need no stinking warning light. I can tell when the tire pressure is low. When it goes ka-thump, 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 I know it's low, okay? <laughs> However, there are some lights on your dashboard that are really important, like the oil light. Guys, I'm just going to say this really loudly for your wife's benefit, okay? If the oil light comes on, you shouldn't ignore it. Let me, let me just try that one more time. If the oil light comes on, it's a little thing, it looks like a genie lamp, right? If that comes on, that's bad, okay? Don't put a piece of black tape over that because, you know, you're going to ruin the engine. That's what's going to happen. Now, Jesus told us that there was a warning light in our life. As we look at the dash of our life, there's an easy little warning light that we can look at that can tell us how our engine's really doing. And, it's, and the stupid thing is that most Christians do what I did to my minivan. They just put a piece of black tape over it. But it's really important because Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know how the pressure is going on in your heart? It's really very simple. How's the treasure? That's, that's your little warning light. You can put a piece of black tape over it if you want to, but, but it's not a very good idea. And it must be important, again, <clears throat> because listen to me, um, baptism is important. We're going to baptize my buddy at this service. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think baptism is important. Forty verses in the New Testament about baptism. I mean, that, that should be important, right? Prayer is important. 275 verses on prayer. Faith is important. 350 verses on faith. There's 650 verses on love, because the greatest of these is love, right? 650 verses, that means it's important. There are 2,350 verses in the Bible about finances and material possessions. Why is that? Is that because it's more important than love or prayer or faith? No, 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 not at all. It's because that's the warning light that most people put black tape over. That's why. And if it's going on, then we ought to do something about it. So please listen to me one more time. And, and if you're not from this church or you're not even a Christian yet, you can turn to your neighbor right now and say, No hablo español. Okay, go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. Okay? But for the rest of you, you will line up at my funeral if you listen to me. If you will grab a hold of this, you will line up at my funeral and you'll go... Why did they bury him in a Hawaiian shirt? And that's another story. And then you'll say, man, I'm so glad I heard his last sermon because it was really important. Here's what the Bible says. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Okay, that's what the Bible wants for you. Andy Stanley gives us four financial decisions that need to be made so that we won't be lost. And they're really very simple. I'll take them through quickly. Number one, you choose a percentage of your income to live on. Now, whether you know this or not, you're already doing that. And even if you're not paying attention to it, you're choosing it. And a lot of Americans are choosing to live on over 100% of their income. That's why they're in debt. That's why they've got problems. What I'm saying is you should choose it beforehand. If you have a gap between your lifestyle and your income, you will have a lot of peace in your life. You'll have a, a lot of joy in your life. You'll be able to be generous. You'll be able to take care of your needs. If you, if you take my advice today, you won't have financial pressure unless some extreme thing happens. But you have to choose it up front. And if you're already messed up and you're already in a bunch of debt, that's okay. Choose it now. Just choose a percentage. Andy Stanley said when he used to do, couple, uh, do premarital counseling with couples, he would say, shoot really, really low at the beginning. 
You know, don't live on a lot of it. Live on a very, very smart of it, a small part of it. Live on like 15%. Choose to live on 15% of your income. And he said, they would look at me like I had two heads. And he'd say, listen, here's the deal. It's only going to get more expensive from here on. Can I get an hallelujah from you? Right? I mean, you add a couple of kids in there and, you know, it's only, so choose a small percentage. He said, I've never had anybody come to me in counseling and go, you know what? My wife just won't spend enough money. I take my husband to Best Buy and he just won't buy anything. I've never had that happen and neither have I. So choose a percentage of your income that you're going to live on up front. And if you need a little more help with that, here's my friend Steve Martin. Saturday Night Live is making fun of us. we got a problem, ladies and gentlemen. Am I right or am I right? And where do we get this saved money? Choose a percentage of your income. Number two, track your spending. Okay, this goes together. How many of you have been doing this? Your little green notebooks? Three, four, five of you. Good, good. That's great. 7,000 people. Okay. Listen, you're never going to get found if you don't know if you're lost. Okay. I'm just trying to tell you this over and over again. Stop putting a piece of black tape over it and start tracking where your money is going. Remember that you're the manager here. That's the idea. God put you here for 50 years or 100 years or whatever, and you're a steward of the things that he's given you, and you're supposed to manage it. And I think he probably wants to know where it's going, and you need to know. Number three. Get rid of dumb debt. That's the Dave Ramsey phrase. Dumb debt. Had a blast this week. I got to go to Nashville and speak to Dave Ramsey's company. He has 400 employees of his company, 6 million listeners around the, around the globe. And, uh, you know, he's this big money manager guy. My son-in-law works for him, so I got to go do devotions for him, which was really fun and a cool side story. Um, after I got done, I, I talked a little bit about Ash and how he was, you know, my daughter Rachel's friend in England at this campus ministry, and that's kind of how he came to the Lord, and because of that, you know, he's here. And I told that story, and a lady, a lady IM'd him later and said, hey, what was the campus ministry you were a part of in England? And he said it was CMF, Global Scope, in Birmingham, England. She, she wrote back, she said, I can't believe it. I prayed for you before you were a Christian. He was like, what are you talking about? She said, I used to work for that organization, CMF. And our, the campus ministries would send in prayer requests and say, please pray for these people because I think they're getting close to making a decision. And they, she said, I remember the England team sending a note saying, hey, pray for Ash because he's a really sharp kid and I really think he's getting close to making a decision for Christ and I prayed for you. And now they work together at Lampo in Nashville. Is that a cool story? I mean, don't stop praying for people. That's all I want to tell you, man. Don't stop praying for people. I know some of you have been praying for people for a long time. It works. I mean, I have a son-in-law, because, partially because this lady was praying back in Indianapolis. I had no idea. Dave Ramsey's phrase is dumb debt, okay? So, uh, you know, here's, here's debt, okay? Dumb explanation for buying things, Right? Debt is a dumb explanation for buying things. Now, I'm not talking about your mortgage, but you've got to get rid of the dumb debt, the stuff that's not going to be worth as much when you get done paying on it as it was when you bought it, which is almost everything else, your car, your credit cards. Get rid of your school loans. Get rid of the stuff that's getting in your way because here's what the Bible tells us. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. You don't want to be a servant to the lender anymore. Every week, Dave Ramsey has people fly or drive to Nashville so that they can go and do the debt-free scream. 
They literally go to, to Lampo, to this company, and they give them a cup of coffee, and they write their name up on this board up here, and they scream, I'm debt free! And the whole building can hear them, and everybody rejoices with them, and it's such a blast because it's such a freedom, because they're no longer a servant anymore to somebody else. I love this. Another thing I found at Dave Ramsey's company, the gold-plated uh, cutting up your credit cards thing. That was awesome. Dave read some testimonies at Devotions, and I'm telling you, he teared up because he was so excited about these testimonies of single moms and people who got debt-free. It's time to do the debt snowball. Get involved in FPU the next time we do it. You should only have one master. The Bible says you, nobody can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money, so get free from that. Do whatever you can to get free of that. It will impact your kids and the next generation. You might need to make it public. Get, get some people around together and say, we're going to do this together. Number four, arrange your personal finances so that you can give first, save second, and live on the rest. All right? This all kind of goes together. Right? You, you, you give first, you save second, and you live on the rest. That's how it's supposed to go. All right? So God gives us in the beginning, he gives us everything. Everything comes from God. And he says, here's how I want you to manage this deal. Okay? I want you to uh, take your 100 things and I want you to split them up. Now what I want you to do is I'm going to give you 80 of them. All right? This is the 10-10-80 thing here. I'm going to give you 80% of your stuff that I just want you to do whatever you want to with. I mean, you're still managing it for me, so you should still track it. You should still take care of it. And all of these things really need to happen. You know, the things you got to pay for, you got to do your taxes, you got to pay for the things you got to have, but you've got 80% of them. And then I want you to save some. And, I, and I'm making up 10 because the Bible doesn't tell us that. But this is yellow, okay? This is green. You spend it however you want. And this is yellow. There's, the Bible says you should, the, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends wherever he gets. It's good to plan ahead, right? Sometimes you've got to look into the future, like my little friend here with the pig. I love you, future bacon. When I grow up, I'm going to eat you. You need, to, you need to think about the future. And you're like, well, Jesus said don't store up treasures on earth. No, there's a difference between storing and saving. You should be prepared. But this is yellow. You do with it what you want to. And I don't know if it's 10 or not. 10, 10, 80 just makes a, a whole lot of sense. The Bible over and over again says that you should... Give first. It was a tithe in the Bible. Giving first is, is what breaks the discontentment. Giving first is what leads to the, to the abundant life that's going on. Okay? You could spend this if you want to and not worry about it and just hope the government's going to take care of you later if you want, and that's all fine and good. But you're not supposed to do anything with this except give it back to God because that's what He told you to do. This is, this is the 10, 10, 80. Okay? And, and when you see this, when you see this, you're like, okay, well, that makes a little bit of sense to me. But some of you are like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm not sure. I, I'm not, I mean, it's my stuff, right? Here, here's, a, here's a verse from the New Testament. Paul says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. You should set aside the first fruits, and then I will collect it. Now, that's New Testament. Now let me answer a couple of your questions. Because I know some of you, it's like, you start talking about giving or offering or whatever. I'm like, I'm, I, I got a problem, okay? You either have a problem because of one of two things. Number one, you came from a bad church background. 
where they were either, A, always asking for money, you know, and I'm not asking for money, but I'm preaching, looks like this year about 8% of my preaching will be about this issue because I'm doing four weeks on it. That's half as much as Jesus did. And probably won't hear that much about it between now and Christmas time. But, but that, you know, maybe you came from a church where that's just all you heard all the time. B, you might have come from a church that was irresponsible with money. And that isn't Parkview. I want you to know that. And we have a very stingy business manager here. We have a very uh, thorough yearly independent audit that we pay to have done. We pay our staff well. But all of us could go to another church and make more money if we wanted to. And most of our staff came from secular jobs where they took a pay cut to come and work in the church staff in the first place. You need to know all that. Very responsible. We'd love to help you with that. Or C, your bad church background, maybe that you came from a prosperity place that taught you that if you give to God, God is going to make you rich. Which is almost true. It says rich in every way. They just leave that part out. The Bible says if you give, God is going to make you rich in every way. And some people get hung up on, well, that's got to be about finances, right? I mean, if I give money, I want money back. Well, seriously, think about it from God's standpoint, okay? I mean, does that, does that work very good if you're God and you know people are just giving because they want you to give them something back? I mean, guys, does that work with your wife? <laughs> Didn't work for that lady's wife, I can tell you that. I mean, you know, you bring her home flowers and you're like, oh, here, I got you flowers, honey. Oh, look at the time. Mm, it's getting late. Nah, she can read your mind, dude, okay? It's, that, that's not the way it works with God either. I, I would encourage you, I would encourage you to, to try tithing again if you came from that background. And this time do it as a matter of trust and a matter of faith and go, you know what, God? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the first ten back for you. Because you told me to, but also because I trust you and you're my heavenly father. And if you decide to give me something besides money, like maybe health or peace or answered prayer or something that's really important in my life, then I trust you because you're my dad. If, if you're having a problem with this, that may be one thing, bad church background. The other, bad th- the other thing is that you may actually have a heart problem. I mean, Jesus said, if you're worried about your treasure, then there's a heart problem. Okay? Maybe there's a piece of black tape over what's going on in here. Uh, Let me put it this way. If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, whoa, dude, I just checked you out and your arteries are completely clogged up. We got to get in and get an angioplasty right away. You got to stop eating and drinking and smoking the stuff that's clogging those bad boys up. And we got to change. You got to exercise. We got to change things right now or you're in trouble. And you go, doc, every year I come here and you tell me the same thing. Couldn't you come up with something new? I mean, really, would you do that? Listen to your warning light, okay? If, you're, if there's a check right now, listen to your warning light because you've got to stop clogging the flow between you and God. I promise you that's what's so important. The Bible says in the Old Testament, a tithe of everything belong from the land, whether grain or the soil or the fruit of the trees, good illustration here, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That's red. Don't spend that. Okay? You've got the yellow savings. You've got the rest of the grain. Mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of green. I'm just saying Deuteronomy 14, be sure to set aside a tenth of your fields produce every year. Why? So that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. That's what you're supposed to do. The, 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 uh, the Living Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in every situation. Every situation. That's why we do this. I trust you, God. It's me and you, not just me. All right? 
Is this about salvation? No, of course not. This isn't about salvation. This isn't about salvation at all. This isn't, the cross is about salvation. You can be stingy. You can eat God's apple if you want to. God's still going to love you and he's still going to take you to heaven. I'm talking about unclogging the flow between you and God. That's what I'm talking about. And I know, you know, you're like, oh, well, we, Tim, we live in the New Testament now. Those were Old Testament scriptures. I get that. And, and, and let me just say this, okay? We're not judged by this. I want you to understand that. But where did you ever see Jesus taking it down a notch? I mean, did you read the Sermon on the Mount ever? Because Jesus says, you know, in the Old Testament they said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery with her in your heart. What did he do? Did he take it up or down a notch there? up. Uh, You've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother, it's the same thing as if you murdered him. Up. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. That was to keep people from doing too much retribution. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Up. Make any sense that Jesus would go, you know what, this tithing thing, eh, we're just going to knock it off. Paul said each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. What do you think the people in the first church heard when they heard that? Uh, That would have been the tithe, very, very simply. But you know what? I'm not going to bug you about it. You and God talk about it. That's all I ask. You and God talk about it. If Jesus tells you 2.5% like the average Christian in America gives, you know, that's all fine. That's your problem. I'm just trying to help you here. I'm a doctor, okay? That's all I'm trying to do. The, the, The problem with it is that... Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're hypocrites because you tithe. What? Yeah, no, because they were being legalistic about it. That's not cool. He said, You, you tithe a tenth of your spices, your mint, dill, and cumin. Some of those seeds are so small, I don't even know how you could count out ten of them and go, Okay, this one's for you, God. But that's what they were doing because they were being legalistic. But, Jesus said, You have neglected the more important matters of the law which is justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now listen to this next verse, because this is really important. He could have stopped there, but he said, you, have, you should have practiced the latter, the justice and the mercy and the faithfulness, which is really more important, but without neglecting the former. I mean, if, if Jesus didn't think this was important, he could have just left that part out. He didn't have to say it. If the disciples didn't think that was important, they could have left that out, but they put it in there and recorded it from Jesus. The point is that justice and mercy and faithfulness are obviously the more important things. I totally agree with that. But this tithe thing, it's still something that's about our heart and that we shouldn't neglect it. Jesus also said, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar and to God's, to God the things that are God's. I mean, there's not really any other way to interpret that, okay? So, so what happens if you don't? Again, you're going to miss out on some of the blessing of God along the way. But it's up to you. You've you got to decide what you want to do. I'm getting hungry. So, in the Old Testament, 400 years before Jesus, I don't like green apples, Malachi was written. Malachi was a prophet 400 years before Jesus. And the people are all living in the blessing of God. And they're going along pretty good. And everything's going great because they've got good prophets and they're following God. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, things start to turn sour. And I can't figure out why at all. The crops are failing, and people are invading them, and you know, they're like, man, what in the world is going on here? I don't even understand why, why things are going so bad. And, and they'd kind of grown apathetic about God, and, and stuff just wasn't going very well. And so finally, they, somebody went to Malachi and said, hey, will you ask God 
why we're having all these problems? Because it doesn't feel very good to us. Malachi, he goes and talks to God, and God says this. All right, this is Malachi 3. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from me and my decrees, and you haven't kept them. <laughs> return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And I'm like, okay, well, what should we do? How do we return to you? And God says, will a man rob God? Yeah, you rob me. To which they say, how do we rob you? <laughs> With apple juice dripping down their mouth. And God says, you rob me in tithes and offerings. As a matter of fact, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. And I have to tell you this, because that tithes there was plural. I mean, it was, it was a, a tithe, for, it was a tithe for, for the church, and it was a tithe for the poor. They were actually supposed to give 20% here, okay? That's what was supposed to happen. It was two tithes. I hate to tell you this. What was going on was they were giving God the leftovers. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they were giving God the leftovers. You know, like when they came to sacrifice the lamb, they were like, oh, let's take this lamb. It's almost dead, right? We'll go sacrifice that at the temple. Well, reminds me of the story of the old days when preachers used to get paid in, like, you know, chickens and produce and stuff. And this little boy came up to the pastor one day and he, he said, Preacher, we were going to bring you a chicken, but it got better. <laughs> All right? Thanks a lot, right? Hey, Malachi says, Malachi says, you want to know where all the blessings have gone? God wants to know where have all the tithes gone. God says you're robbing him. How? Well, you're, you're eating the red apple. God wants you to give it back to him. Not because he needs it, but because he wants you to trust him. Stop robbing him. But the interesting thing is, God doesn't get mad here. He doesn't get mad at all. Matter of fact, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you again, because I'm your loving Heavenly Father. Bring the tithe into the storehouse and test me in this. The only place in the scripture it ever says this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it. I mean, if you're, if you're the dad and you tell your kids over and over and over again to do something and they don't do it and they come to you and they're like, well, what? What are you talking about? Uh, do you, are, is that your attitude? Because God's like, look, look, I, you know, I know you're stupid. I know you keep putting a piece of black tape over it, okay? Just try it again. Here we go, kids. Just try it again. Test me in this and see if I will not continue to bless you because I love you. That's what I call God's triple dog dare. You start by giving the first 10% back to God. You save the yellow part, the 10%, and you live on 80%. And watch what happens in your life. It's going to be amazing. God didn't have to make this promise. He's a generous God. He could have, as the creator of the universe, said, this is what you need to do. Do it or die. But he didn't. He said, look, I'm just going to challenge you. Let's see who can give more than the others. A couple things from this verse. It says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. I believe the storehouse was the tabernacle. It's a place where you get fed. I believe the tithe for a Harlow family, our tithe comes back to the church. We give to the poor. We support kids. We do other things. But our tithe comes back to the church. That's the way it was in the New Testament. Secondly, it says bring. I just find that interesting. Because it's not about giving. It's about bringing. 
Because it's his anyway. Remember? He lets you use all of those. Don't forget this. That's the principle in the New Testament. It says, it, it says bring. Somebody give me a $100 bill. Anybody got a $100 bill? You got one, Dan? All right, let me just give you an illustration of this, okay? All right, you see this $100 bill? You know why Dan got up and gave me this $100 bill really fast? This is my $100 bill. <laughs> Isn't it? I gave it to him before the service. I'm like, hey, when I, you know, I mean, you know, he's sitting right up front. I'm like, come on, pay attention, all right? Now, everything is God's. Everything God gives us is his. It's all his. We talked about that along the way. Now, who's got a 10? Anybody got a 10? I didn't set this one up. Who's got a 10? You got one? Okay, this is what God does. God says, I've got $100, and I'm going to trade you for your 10. Isn't that a great deal? Don't you wish you had a 10 and you sat up front today? That's really how it works. And God says, all I want you to do is take the 10 and put it right there. <laughs> you do whatever you want to with it. If you understand whose it is, that's a good principle. All he says is, I just want you to take the 10. I want you to give it back to me. I want you to save some so you're not dependent on the government or somebody else. And I want you to live on the rest. It's really, really that simple. Over the course of time, we just kind of get to this place where we start ignoring things going on. Maybe you don't even understand why this happens. Throughout the Bible, God asks us to participate in the miracles in our life. You'll hear this testimony in a second. He asks us over and over and over again. Right? Jesus heals the blind man. He puts mud on his eyes and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. What if the guy would have said, ah, there's water here. I'm going to go home and take a shower. I mean, I'm not going to walk around with mud on my eyes. What would have happened? He wouldn't have been healed. Ten lepers. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. If one of the guys said, you know what, I've got a date at Starbucks. I'm not going to the priest. He wouldn't have gotten healed. He tells us, I want to participate. I want you to participate. If you participate with me, we'll unclog the arteries and you will have abundant life. On the other hand, when Jesus went to his hometown, it says in Mark 6, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them because of their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. According to the measure of faith that you have, the Bible tells us it will be given to you. And that is the abundant life that is promised to you. But you've got to believe. I've got a commitment card for you. You're not going to turn this in, so don't worry. It's in the chair back in front of you. I want you to pull it out. It's just a little card. It's about the size of a credit card. I did that on purpose because this is for you. All right? And before you go, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I've had enough of this. I don't believe Harlan knows anything about money. Listen to Dave Ramsey. I'm here with Dave Ramsey. Go. Hey. This is your turn. Guys, I'm telling you, next to me, this might be the best financial mind on the planet. That's what I'm talking about. I, I did say might. I did say might. <laughs> Just listen to Dave, okay? I know what I'm talking about. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill this card out. I want you to put it in your wallet over the place, like in front of your credit card. That's what I want you to do. So you see it over and over again. I will pledge to honor God by acknowledging that everything I have comes from him. It's his apples. It's his $100 bill. I will... I will be aware that my finances and make wise decisions, meaning I'm going to track my spending. I'm going to live on a percentage. I will strive for financial freedom by eliminating dumb debt, and I will cultivate a life of contentment and intentional generosity by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. The 10-10-80 principle. 
sign it and date it. I'll, I, and listen, don't, you know, don't do this like you know, the last diet you were on for three hours, okay? I mean, like, make a commitment to do this. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to do this through Christmas. This would radically transform your Christmas if you started getting a hold of this. And kids, you're not going to like this Christmas, but this would be a great, great idea, <laughs> all right? Wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be great to get through Christmas and realize that you had this margin going on and that God was flowing in your life and generosity was happening? Listen, I, I put a money back guarantee on here just because I, I mean it. I mean, we'll, we'll give you your money back if this doesn't work for you. And it's just really stupid, isn't it? Because why would you trust me? I mean, you know, if I, if, I said, if I said Dan down there that, you know, brought me the money, if I said he was a multi-billionaire and he promises that if you give, if you give to God and it doesn't work out good, then he's going to, you know, give you your money back and you signed a document, would you, would you trust him? I mean, you might if you had a legal document. You might go, well, yeah, that guy's a multi-billionaire. I mean, I'll do that. Well, let me tell you something. He's not a multi-billionaire, so don't come up and try to make friends. And number two... That would be so dumb for you to trust a human being. It would be so dumb for me to have this phrase on this card that you would trust a human being when God Almighty promised you in His Word that He was going to take care of things. So fill out this card, test Him in this, and see if He will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Paul said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Jesus said, anyone who has left houses or family or land or anything for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Paul said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation in the coming age. This is the important part. So they can take hold of the life that is truly life. The abundant life. That's what it's it's there for. We're going to have a testimony in a second. And then then after that, just a, a cool song, a Vicky Martinez song we changed the words to a little bit. And during that song, I want you to fill this card out. I want you to pray about it. Fill this card out. And then we'll do communion. Jenny was a bright-eyed little five-year-old girl who uh, was walking through Walmart one day, and she saw this dress-up string of pearls that uh, she could she could you know wear to play dress-up. And at five, she was really into that. My girls were as well. And she asked her mom if she could buy it. And her mom said, you know, yeah, we can buy this, but you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to do some chores to pay for it. And her, her mom set things up so that it was good, and, and she did. And she loved this string of pearls, and she wore it everywhere she went. Everywhere except the shower because her mom said it would turn her neck green. She wore it everywhere. She loved the string of pearls. Jenny had a loving father. And one day, her loving father walked in, did his nightly prayer and sang with, her, went, sang with her. And they read their Bible story. And then he said, Jenny, do you love me? She said, yes, Daddy, you know I love you. He said, would you give me your pearls? She said, oh, no, Daddy, I love my pearls. You know I love my pearls. I have them on right now. He said, that's okay. Next night he comes in, does this little prayer thing. He says, Jenny, do you love me? Her head kind of goes down because she knew where he was going this time. She said, yes, Daddy, I love you. He said, could I have your pearls? She said, Daddy, you can have ribbons, my horse. You can have my doll. You can have any of my other toys, but, but don't take my pearls. I love my pearls. And he said, no, no, that's okay. I love you. Next night he comes in. Jenny, do you love me? She said, yes, Daddy, I love you. He said, can I have your pearls? She said, yes, Daddy. And she handed him her most prized possession. 
And with one smooth motion, he grabbed a beautiful package out of the back of his hand and traded it with her, and she opened it up, and inside was a string of real pearls that his grandmother had left for Jenny before she passed away. What God wants to do in your life is he, he, he just wants you to stop trying to hold on to this little string of pearls, this little part right here that is so precious, that, that is so hard for us to let go of. And he wants your heart to be right because he wants to give you a life that is truly life. That's what he wants for you. So listen to him. Trust in him. He's got good things in mind for you. When you do this, you will be made rich in every way. Let's listen. 2010, my employer called me uh, and said, at the end of the day, we're closing the doors for good. Um, basically, uh, our finances let us survive maybe for six months, um, and I needed to find a job. Well, I got an offer in Maryland, uh, so I took it, and it was uh, a big change for us. Casey had a very well-paying job. I had a nice position for all of it to the rug to be pulled out from under us was quite shocking. We weren't ready for that. We were living, I guess, um, more spoiled than uh, exactly. we probably should have been. It took a while for our house to sell. Casey lived in Maryland by himself for about six months and commuted. When I did relocate with our children to Maryland, um, I couldn't find a job for eight months. We paid our bills, we got by. Um, any extra we had, we really didn't think of giving. Uh, we didn't go to church. Um, we talked about it, thought it'd be nice, but we thought about it and talked about it, but we never did it. We did end up coming back. Uh, I got an offer to come back to Illinois. I did take a pay cut to come back. We came back for family, friends, uh, just support network. But that whole time, those two years, from Maryland back to here in two years, um, we struggled mightily. We moved in and we knew we were in the same boat as Maryland as far as our, uh, our life in regards to church. Our finances, we were doing the same things. I think in our gut and our heart told us we needed to start doing things differently. So we, we talked right off the bat about finding a church. We drove by Parkview quite a bit. Uh, actually, Michelle and the kids would say, hey, it looks like a nice church. And honestly say, it's kind of big. I don't know if it was like a, I didn't know much about it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go to a big church. And, and, and it's, you're smiling, but it's true. And, 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 and it's, I don't know if deep down it was an excuse not to, or I was afraid. I don't know, I don't know what it was, but, the, we decided to go in September, and you know, honestly, that was. It took us three months to get to that step. I knew the moment the first service was over, this this was where we belong. We started coming every week, and I think it was more of an evolution for us over the uh, previous few years. Uh, we our faith was always there, our faith in Christ was there, but we never really put it into action. Um, we talked a good talk, uh, and uh, we maybe acted like it behind closed doors, but. We never put it, our faith into action. So in uh, September, we started. In November, um, I started as a small group leader. But again, it was an evolution, and I started to. Uh, we started talking about giving, um, tithing. Yeah, it'd be nice to do, but we don't have the money for this, and uh, we don't have the extra. After this extra, we'll use it for something else. And it wasn't tithing. And I guess deep down, over all those years, we knew we should be doing it, but we didn't do it anyway. Casey and I had talked about tithing. And it's something that I did feel strongly about. It's a basic thing that's in the Bible. She was always uh, confident about it, and I wasn't. I mean, I'm the guy in the family, you're the man of the house, and uh, 
You have to pay the bills. But it was very scary to me with all the struggles we had. Honestly, 10% was going to really make things tight. I don't know how we were going to pay everything. It was scary to give 10% right off the top to church. I wasn't sure we could do it. I told myself and I argued with myself for weeks over it and every reason not to do it. And, and I guess this is where it came into, we had to take the step and it was a step of faith. Finally, I, I just after praying, I woke up one day and it says, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the 10%. I'm going to do it every Friday. And honestly, I don't know if it's going to be enough to cover us when it's done. And I just had to trust the Lord that it would happen. We just had to let go and believe in God and that He is going to take care of us and have that trust. And it's been a fantastic journey ever since. It really has. So. And, and my first thing when it happened was actually two things. Why didn't I do this sooner? And I wish I could give more. It's a really good feeling. <laughs> it is. God loves a cheerful giver, and I really think that's what we are. You know, within a week, I got, I got money from my current employer, my past employer, out of the blue, just an extra bonus. Uh, within two weeks, I heard about a job. Um, I wasn't really looking. Uh, long story short, they offered me a job with, with a 25% raise. The financial bonuses that have happened in our lives, um, the spiritual bonuses. We're supporting two children from Africa when we had uh, back in April, I think it was. Uh, so now we, we do that also. So again, we've, we've probably given, actually have given more this first six months than the last five years. And, Easily. And you can just grow by leaps and bounds if you just take some faith and trust the Lord. The thing that um, I think has changed me most is when I pray, I'm not praying anymore for God to bless me. I pray to have God make me a blessing to other people. And at my age, I noticed the most profound growth in the past six months since we've started tithing and making that commitment. So take a minute, pray about it in your life. Again, I don't want these cards. Don't put them in the offering basket. They're for you. You, just you and God, just spend some time, listen to the words of this song. I want to challenge you, man. I'm not trying to raise money. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to raise money at all. Uh, I want your heart to experience the abundant life that God has for you. Let's listen. Let's do this together. I, I, I promise you, you're not, you, you're not going to regret it. Making a decision of faith. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, he's trying to encourage them to give. He says, listen, I'm not commanding you. I want it to... Test the sincerity of your love. I'm going to compare you to this other church because they gave really well, and I want you to know that. You should be doing that too, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. I mean, when, you, when you put it that way, it's kind of hard to argue, isn't it? I mean, Jesus gave everything for us. Through, through his poverty we became rich. So if you don't understand that, don't let money be the issue. Don't let this become a legalistic, moralistic thing like the Pharisees. It, 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 it maybe isn't about money for you at all. It should be about your heart. It should be about what God is telling you that Jesus did for you. You need to grab a hold of the generous grace of God and the generous grace of Jesus, and then it should naturally flow out from you. We recognize that as we take communion right now. This is his becoming poor for us so that we could become rich. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you gave up the throne of heaven to come down and be nailed to a tree 
because of my sin. When I think about it that way, it kind of puts everything into perspective. It's not just that you gave me all ten apples. It's that you gave me eternity. So when you ask for something back, when you ask for me to be generous, it should be the very, very first expression of my heart, not something I'm resisting against. Maybe there are people here who don't know you, Lord. They're, they're just new to this whole journey. Be with them today. Maybe there's some people that just need to open up and say, Jesus, I, I, I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. I need you to be in my life. That's the only way it works. For the rest of us, we'll take a moment and we will remember what you did for us. The generosity that came from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you may have noticed, we're going to do the offering, we're going to worship, we'll be done. You may have noticed I got a new ring. I, I brought this back from the Holy Land. I'm not a big jewelry guy, you know, and I'm not, you know, wearing a lot of chains and stuff, but, um, but I may, you don't know what happened. I don't know why I'm even doing this, but, but, but I did get a new ring, okay? And uh, the only reason I would get a piece of jewelry and wear it is because it needed to mean something to me, you know, a wedding band or this. Um, this is a widow's mite. It's a 2,000-year-old copper penny. They found so many antiquities in Israel. You can get these really amazingly cheap. Like you can buy a widow's mite for like $35, and it's put into a ring. And it's literally a 2,000-year-old widow's mite, which might have been, it's from Jesus' day, it might have been this one. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put in and, and watched the people put their money into the treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow, widow came and put in two very small copper coins. And calling his disciples, he said, Hey, check this out. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others because they gave out of their wealth, but she put in everything, all she had to live on. So I bought this ring so that it's a reminder to me every time I look at it that I'm supposed to give everything. Every person I shake my hands, shake hands with, everything that I do, it's all. Okay? We're going to do the offering now. I'm going to give you a chance to do that, and we're going to worship, and then we'll close out in prayer. God, I pray that you be with us and bless this right now as we give back to you some of that red apple. Um, if we've been eating it, hey, you know, I, I know you just want to start over. I pray that you be with us in Jesus' name.